And this represents what I call the survival trap, that we make actions, we take actions in, in the immediate moment to, to serve a crisis or need without consideration for where the business needs us. You're listening to Young Smart Money, a podcast that inspires young entrepreneurs to take their personal finances to the next level. My name is Apple Kreider, and I am a huge personal finance nerd and entrepreneur who's constantly looking for a better way. Whether it's amassing millions of credit card points, learning which parts of the tax code can work to your advantage, or just figuring out how to run your business as smart as possible, I am all about it. Join me as I sit down with some of the smartest financial planners and specialists for young entrepreneurs out there and extract the action steps you need to get the most bang for your buck from your business. Welcome back to Young Smart Money with me, your host, Apple Kreider. Today, we are sitting down with Mike Michalowicz. Mike is someone who has scaled four businesses past the multi-million dollar mark, exited two of them, one of them to a Fortune 500 company. So this dude knows a little bit about starting and scaling businesses, to say the least. All of that was before he even turned 35. So this guy's, this guy's got some experience, and he's got a couple books that I am a huge fan of. One of them is Profit First, which is actually the book that dictates the, the philosophy in that book dictates my entire accounting style with my business. So had a huge, huge impact on me. My mom actually in her business uses the same uh, accounting system, fun fact. So she's the one that turned me on to this book. Uh, super, super cool system. My uh, business banker, Ty over at US Bank did think I was crazy when I came in for the first time, told him I wanted to open five different business checking accounts because that's part of the system. Sounds a lot more confusing than it is, um, but I would highly recommend you check out that book. But today we're talking with Mike about uh, both that system, how to uh, increase both the margins and then just the overall profits in your business through a couple different uh, systems and strategies that he has outlined both in Profit First and then in his new book, Fix This Next, which is a tongue twister that I struggle with a couple times in the episode. So uh, be prepared for that. So yeah, we're diving into basically his, his tools, his systems for increasing the profits in your business because a lot of people uh, they have they, they think they have a sales problem, but they actually have a profit problem, which 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 Mike dives into how you actually diagnose whether you have a sales problem or a profit problem. It's it's quite simple, and most people they think if they just sell a little bit more, that's that's going to take them to where they need to be. In reality, it's not the case, and what they are really looking at is a profitability problem. So we're talking about how to diagnose that, and then how to actually fix it once you realize that a profit problem is what you have. So I'm super stoked for this conversation. Again, Mike is someone who. I respect a lot. His accounting system has really, really helped me out both in just my sanity and then also increasing the actual margins of my business, which is always a good thing when you have that stability, when you have those profits in the bank that you can turn to whenever you need them, especially when there's <laughs> crazy stuff going on in the world like there is right now. So uh, without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation with Mike McCallowicz. All right, Mike, welcome to Young Smart Money. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Apple. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. So uh, there's a couple things that I really want to dive into in this episode. So you just dropped this new book called Fix This Next. Take us a little bit behind the scenes and share with us how this tool kind of came to be. So um, I'm very blessed to have quite a few readers that now I'm in regular contact with. So I send out surveys often and I reached out to my community and said, this is about five years ago. It takes me about five years to write a book. And I said, what's the biggest challenge you're facing in your business now? 
And the feedback was all over the place. In fact, some of the same people responded multiple times the same day with whole new business challenges. So it was clear to me that the biggest challenge business owners have is knowing what their biggest challenge is. That became the, the premise for this book. So that's what I explore in this is how do we identify what we need to work on? Because, you know, you know this, there is a constant stream of these apparent issues. We, we need to do this. We need to do that. We're putting out fires regularly. But what's the one thing that will move our business forward? So that's the premise of this book. Sweet, sweet. And, and that's something that I am struggling with on a day-to-day basis, as I know a lot of our listeners are as well, as mostly young entrepreneurs, in addition to just having all of these crazy things going on in our businesses, just yeah. the, the fact that our brains aren't even fully developed to try to make these decisions and, and prioritize things is a whole other set of challenges just on top of that. <laughs> yeah. And, and then we got this crazy insanity going on, right? With, with shutdowns and all this different stuff. It, it is sending all of us in this mess of stress. And um, how people respond normally to stressful situations is through usually a, a either shutdown or more panic, uh, more desperate moves. And so it's actually more important than ever now to have that deliberate pause, all these challenges going on, to stop for a minute to figure out what is the right thing to do. And um, so I'm hoping this, this tool and Fix This Next will provide that we can just pause for a moment, pinpoint what our business needs from us most focus on that area to serve our business and, and move deliberately forward. There's actually an a example I share in the book that you can do just in your own head or you can do a piece of paper, but in your mind or if you had a piece of paper, in the center of like a, a legal pad, you write the letter A and you put it in a circle and what A represents is where you are in this moment in your business, the, the crisis moment or the opportunity or whatever it is, but what's, what's this moment presenting? Then draw an arrow away from point A in any direction and what the arrow signifies is a way to move forward from point A, to get out of point A if it's crisis, or to leap on that opportunity. But now you can draw another arrow in a different direction. So maybe if you drew the first one to the right, you can draw one to the left. And that arrow also gets you out of point A. And you can continue to do this, you know, five, ten times. Every arrow you draw in a different direction actually serves you in the moment because you get out of immediate crisis. But now is the next and final step draw the letter B in a circle in the bottom left corner of that piece of paper. And if you do that, chances are, and if you've been doing your mind, chances are none of the arrows or few of the arrows point to B. They're all over the place. And this represents what I call the survival trap, that we make actions, we take actions in, in the immediate moment to, to serve a crisis or need without consideration for where the business needs us. So point B represents where the business needs us most right now, what we need to do. So if we simply know what to do, if we, if we have A and then we draw point B first, then we know, okay, every consideration, consideration I'm making, is it moving me in that direction? We become much more thoughtful, much more deliberate. What many business owners do is you, you draw this arrow out of point A and you're simply at a new point A. And then we draw another arrow out and start this circuitous uh, pattern. By knowing where to go, we can move in that direction, of course. Sweet. And and. So much of the book just revolves around like figuring out like where is point B and how do I actually get right. there? So how walk us through some of those tools that, that you present. How do you figure out where that point B is so that you're actually drawing the arrow to the bottom left corner of the page? Yeah, great question. The, so the main tool is called the business hierarchy of needs. And uh, what it is devised after is Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So if you're familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, uh, he was a philosopher studying uh, kind of the human human needs and uh, came up with this hierarchy with a, and argued that the foundational need for all of humanity 
is that we have physiological needs. We need to breathe air, we need to drink water, we need to eat food. Our survival depends on it. But once those needs are adequately serviced or satisfied, we then elevate to the next level need. And the next level need is safety. We need protection from the elements. You're in Minneapolis, you know, the, some of the winters out there can get pretty, pretty good. <laughs> you know, if you're outside in a t-shirt, uh, when one of those crazy storms comes through, uh, you have to seek shelter. You need clothing, otherwise you'll die of hypothermia. So that's a need for safety. But what's interesting is even at this level, the hierarchy starts to present itself. If someone runs up behind you, puts a plastic bag over your head and wraps duct tape around your throat, now, even though there's this freezing storm coming through, our biologic response is to tear away that bag because we are suffocating. Oxygen takes priority over safety. But once we have that base level need, the physiological needs satisfied, then safety becomes our primary concern. Once that's satisfied, Maslow's hierarchy, there's things called belonging, the necessity for companionship and so forth, and then the highest level self-actualization. Well, <clears throat> the business hierarchy of needs follows a similar structure with one distinct difference. Every business has fundamental needs. Uh, and it's regards to the business you're in. You can be in manufacturing or professional services. You could be uh, you know, running a pizza shop or you could be making equipment somewhere down the road or anything in between, any kind of business. There's a common DNA. But just like humanity, if you look at the outside skin of people and judge them on their skin, sadly, which we do, um, we see the differences. But when you peel back the skin, you and I and all of humanity, we're the same. You know, our, our biological makeup's identical. Our heart's in the same spot. Like if I went to a heart surgeon because I'm having a heart attack, the heart surgeon wouldn't say, hey, before we get started, Mike, is your heart in your foot or where do you keep yours? It's always in the chest, of course. So they know exactly what to do and they can repeat the process. Well, the essence of business is the same. When we need to work on the business, the core biology of the business is identical. It follows Maslow's hierarchy. The base level of all business is sales. Every business needs to produce cash and that's what sales does. Once you have that adequately addressed, that's your oxygen, the next level of business is, uh, is profit. Profit translates to stability of an organization. And these, these uh, levels work in relation. You have to have adequate sales to support profit. You don't need massive sales. And sadly, that's the mistake I see so many business owners make, thinking we're in point A, business is not doing well, we need to sell more, draw arrow out, when the real need is to, <clears throat> excuse me, introduce stability to the business, to actually extract profit from what's already exists and concentrate our efforts there. Above profit is the level called order. Order is the creation of organizational efficiency, where there is no dependency on the owner. You don't have to carry the business on your back. And there's no dependency on any linchpin employee. The business is designed to operate even when there's crisis or challenge. The next level above that is called impact. Impact is the creation of transformation. This is where businesses are not just in the transactional component, of their business, but they realize their transactions actually transforming people's lives or have the opportunity to do that. And the highest level is called legacy. That's the creation of permanence. What we want to do with this model, this, this compass, is we simply ask our questions, always starting the base, saying, are we creating cash? Are we creating any cash? If so, you have some degree of sales. Then the question is, are those sales adequate to support some degree of profitability? If the answer is no, then you have to generate more sales. But if you have some sales coming in and we investigate profitability, then we start asking, why aren't we profitable from the sales that we do have? Maybe that's where our challenge is. Once we establish profitability, then we say, now we can introduce organizational efficiency because the business is creating cash, it's financially stable, now we can introduce uh, efficiencies throughout the organization. And the model continues this way. The last point I wanna make is it's not a ladder. You don't like climb to the top of legacy and just wave at your friends from up there. This is something we cycle through. 
So you'll be climbing and then all of a sudden something changes and you need to go back to the base. The foundation cracks. What we're experiencing right now with this macroeconomic crisis that's enforcing micro crisis for businesses, a lot of businesses do need to revert back to the base. They need to fix something in profit or sales before they can get back to having the big impact that they were having. Sweet. That was an extremely valuable rundown of that tool. And I want to dive into specifically the profit layer because from, from what I've heard from a lot of our listeners, they have businesses, they're making some money. And this show is a personal finance show. So I think it's only fitting that we, that we dive into the profit system. Yeah. So uh, tell us a little bit more about, so if, if the listener establishes, okay, I have some cash flow coming in the door, but I'm not really taking anything home. Like, like I'm making sales, I, I'm picking up the phone, I'm going online, I'm selling stuff through my Facebook ads or whatever, but I'm not taking home any money at the end of the day. What are some tools or like, how do they dive into that profit layer and figure out, okay, where is the issue happening? Where are the inefficiencies? And, and where am I just like, where's, where's the margin being lost? Yeah. So the, the first thing we always start off with is actually our lifestyle and uh, define what we need for base level comfort. I actually call it lifestyle congruence. I talk about it and fix this next. That's the starting point of if you own a business or if you are a commissioned salesperson or, or, or just a professional of any type or, or to have any kind of job, we always need to define what is the base level of our comfort at home, not our aspiration. We will talk about that too, but, but it starts off with your base level of comfort. Because once you know your base level of comfort, then you know the minimum requirement you have before you'll start experiencing internal stress and discomfort. That translates into back to the business or the work you do of how many sales or how much sales you need. Once we figure that out and um, those sales aren't adequately supporting us, then we got to look at if we're running a business, what are the things we have control over? And if we're not running a business, what do we have control over? inevitably we run too much cost. You know, one little hack, I, I did an event recently in response to the crisis and uh, <clears throat> one little hack that people can do is when you can't pay your bills or you're feeling this constant stress, don't cancel your credit cards and debit cards, but reissue them. And the difference here is that you, you call a credit card company or debit card uh, company and say, uh, please give me a brand new card, new number uh, to protect the card because I think it may have been is maybe not being used properly. Uh, but do not transfer over subscriptions and recurring payments. So I want to stop on everything. And what will happen is now you retain your credit ability, but now you will get calls from all the people that were collecting on that card saying, what's going on? Something happened. And it's a great way to see who you've been paying. Because the problem, particularly in stressful times, is we're under such panic, we don't have the time or really the conscious ability <clears throat> to, to get into the nitty gritty. And therefore, these subscriptions or costs we're incurring will sustain. I did this myself. I had a gym membership I didn't realize for a year and a half that I wasn't using. I wasn't even paying attention. I'm embarrassed about that, but it was a reality. And I don't know if I would have caught it because I, there was too much other important things going on. So by simply reissuing the card, that came to light and I was simply able to cancel it because it was something I wasn't using. So I would look at cost control. The other element I'd look at is margins. Is there any way we can increase margins? Increasing margin means dictating a higher price point for whatever you're providing uh, and sustaining or reducing the cost. That increases margin. And I think the default protocols from some people right now is we got to cut costs. It's all about cutting costs. But really, it's more about increasing value. Um, what, what more can you do? And if you do more that really is of service to people, people will pay for that. So there's maybe an opportunity to increase prices or to sustain prices instead of cutting them. So we want to look at increasing value first before we talk about cutting prices, because that's only going to hurt us more in our personal finances. 
<clears throat> totally agree. Totally agree. So what, what have been some good strategies? I really like that example of, of getting your cards reissued because yeah, then everything that's just automatically billing you every single month that you've totally forgotten about and aren't using anymore um, just, just comes to a stop and you kind of have a chance to reevaluate like what's actually yeah. important. Yeah. So you want another strategy. So here's one that I, I love is uh, small business or, uh, or if you're an independent, independent professional or even just, just for your own tracking. Um, I suggest that everyone, if you use an accounting system, set up an account for COVID. Um, and it, seriously, I got an account that says COVID. And what you do is any expenses you incur to manage the crisis, however it's impacting you. Maybe you got to buy more cleaning supplies. Uh, maybe you have to conduct some meetings and spend time on, on communication around this. You track it into the COVID account. And the reason is, well, it's really twofold. In the future, um, there may be reimbursements from the government. There, there's so much law passing us, changing so dynamically right now, it's hard to keep with. But there could be insurance or government reimbursements for consequences from COVID. Well, now you've been accounting for it. So it's very easy to produce and say, oh, here's what I incurred because of this. Also, there's a thing called recasting. And if you ever need to prove your performance to an employer, or if you ever have a small business, you need to sell it, uh, and you see this performance dip, now you can say, well, if, if COVID didn't happen, this time wouldn't have been spent here. Uh, this, these expenses wouldn't have occurred and the performance would have been so-and-so. So you can argue for a raise if you're an employee or if you own a business, you can show uh, to maybe a potential acquirer <clears throat> what your true value would have been. Or if you're seeking a loan in the future, you can point to this blip. So even if you, actually, even if you don't have an accounting system, just write a journal tracking the time you spend on COVID. It's a powerful way to point back to this anomaly uh, articulately so you can explain uh, if, if anything happens negatively, why this, this, this was uh, triggered by this. That's, I mean, that's, that's a really, really cool idea. And I'm definitely going to start implementing that, whether it is, yeah, a journal or even adding another account to the mix and just tracking yeah. my expenses, because there's definitely been significant ramifications to my business, to my personal expenses, and to a lot of things in my life um, due to what's going on right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There, there's, there's a lot of impact. And it's much easier in the moment to say, you know what, I don't have to worry about that. I just got to get stuff done and I'll get back to that. But there's a lot of stuff happening every single day. A quick journal entry or accounting entry can take less than 30 seconds and you'll be grateful. You'll be grateful in the future. Absolutely. So another topic that I, I'm really interested to hear your thoughts about are those entrepreneurs who say they're reinvesting their profits back into the business. Because a lot of young people, especially uh, they tell me, well, if I wanted to, to be making money for my business, I, I could be, but I'm just reinvesting all of my profits into marketing or into improving my yeah. product or into all these different things. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty callous about that. There, there is no such thing as reinvesting or plowback. So those are terms we use and they're soft, nice, comfortable terms, but it means your business is not profitable. You're something fundamentally flawed with your business. So, you know, I wrote a book called Profit First and, uh, well, until the uh, shutdowns where you can't travel or speak anymore, tons of speaking engagements. And when I was, I'm on stage, uh, I, I do this presentation on a product first. And I remember this one business owner came up, they had a nice size, small business, like a $3 million business. And she said, I saw your presentation, but I don't need to drive more profit. We had a 28% profit. I'm like, wow, that's for any business. That's a good number. I said, tell me what, what did you do with it? How did you celebrate? She's like, well, put it back in the business. I plowed it back. I said, well, what'd you do with it? She goes, well, the business spent all the money because we needed different tools and equipment. So I said, okay, so you had zero profit. You maybe had a nice soft accounting term you said as a profit, but you've no profit. Profit in the truest sense is cash left at the end of the day for only two purposes, 
One is for a reward to the shareholders, or one is retention by the company for the ultimate reward to the shareholders. Profit is something that gets sent to the people that sent the business or started or run the business or own the business. So when we use plowback or reinvest, I challenge people saying, those are all expenses. Why are you running? So, why is there so much expense? I challenge people to become more innovative in how they use their money and, and retain that profit. Here's the most interesting thing. If you take your profit first and you hide it away from your business, you take your, you pay yourself first, you hide it away from yourself, your lifestyle adjusts, your business adjusts. You, it, you'll surprise yourself how innovative you become. And that to me is the essence of a good business. We need that discipline from day one um, because as we grow, profit becomes even more important. You can't, you can't live off fumes forever. I totally agree. And I think for a lot of people, myself included, before I read Profit First, like it was a lot easier to think about that than to actually do it. Because in my mind, I'm like, well, I could take that, but if I just put it back in and spend some more on marketing or spend some more on whatever, yeah. then like maybe I could get a little bit farther. And then and then maybe tomorrow I could take the profit. And then and then tomorrow I could take the profit. So what do you what do you say to the person who's like, Well, well, I, I think I understand that, but I just want to put it back in and, and make it grow even more right now. Yeah, two things. First of all, realize you're giving loans to the company. So in action, what I would do is actually take the money out um, as a distribution and I'd loan it back to the company. So you have something on the records and you don't have to physically do that, but do that in the accounting record. And you'll, be in, you'll see it changes your mind shift because now it's, once we possess something, uh, it's, it's human nature uh, for us to put more significance in. It's called loss aversion. If I buy, like I see a nice red sports car I want to own one day in the parking lot of some dealer, I may say that's exciting. I can't wait to have it one day. But if I make the effort and one day have it, well, now it's my baby. And I will do anything to retain it. And if I can't even afford those payments, I'll drop the insurance. I'll keep it locked in the garage. I'll never drive again because it's my baby. So <clears throat> we have more pain associated with losing something than desire to gain something is the point. So once we give ourselves that distribution of profit, then we put it back in the business, the actually pain becomes much greater than just never touching in the first place. So I would do that as a first step because now you really value that money. Second step is uh, now that it's a loan, we have to do what's called debt leveraging. Debt leveraging is where you know that when you make an investment, exactly what return you'll get. If, if Apple, if you gave me $100, and I said, oh, thank you so much. And I was able to make $200 a month from now on that $100. That's called debt leveraging. Because what I can do now is pay you back the 100 I owe you plus interest and have a return for me. But most people do the, instead of doing an ROI, a, a clear return on investment calculation, instead they, they just guesstimate and say, you know what, I really got to do more marketing. Everyone else is doing it. And these are called pot shots. Pot shots are very dangerous. There, there's no empirical data behind it. It's just a guess. And many of it fails. They're like, well, you know what, it didn't work or I didn't really even think about it. But at least, at least, you know, it was our profit in the business anyway. So let's do this again. And we really put very little significance in that money which undermines the health of the company long-term. As an outside investor, I'm like, no way do I want to invest in a company where the owner is flippantly making decisions without calculations. It's not profitable. So we really need to get empirical data and ensure we're doing debt leveraging, not pot shots. Totally agree. So for someone who currently is taking next to zero profits, what are, what are some good first steps other than just knowing like, okay, I need to start taking profits out of my business. What are some first steps they can start taking to turn that from just an idea into a reality? Yeah. So I talk about that uh, extensively in Profit First and I, I reiterate it and fix this next. What we do is we set up an account. What I found is most small business owners, if, if, if you're like me, 
I don't read my accounting statements. I don't tie in the cash flow to balance sheet. Actually, I don't even know how to read a balance sheet, honestly, <laughs> or a cash flow statement. The one thing I can kind of read is an income statement. But, but what we're supposed to do is tie those in together because collectively, they show all the elements of the business. So instead, I follow a different system. What I do is bank balance accounting. I log into my bank account and I follow a real simple rule. If I have money, I can spend it. If I don't, I panic to make more money. It's that's <laughs> my system. Well, I realized that that system wasn't just unique to me. Many small business owners follow that system. And what I also found is it is in the best interest to get results for us not to change our habits because changing habits is so hard. Instead, channel our habits, meaning can we maintain what we do but put a system around it that actually drives the result we want because then we're going to crush it. And that's what we do with Profit First. If you log into your bank accounts regularly to see how much money you have and if you can spend it, we're going to keep doing that, but we're going to change the system. We're going to set up multiple accounts and we set up one account called a profit account among others. Then when money flows in, we take a predetermined percentage of that money, 1%, 2%, ultimately more, and allocate it to a profit. You literally take your profit first. That's why I called the book what I called it. So if $1,000 of deposits come in and we say we're going to take 1% of that money, and by the way, if you've never had profit before, I suggest starting very slow and letting it grow. So start with 1%. thousand bucks comes in, 1% of that's 10 bucks. And so now we allocate $10 to profit. And if you can run your business and your, your, the work you do off $1,000, you can run it off of $990. But now you have $10 in a profit account. And I know it's going to happen next. You're like, oh my gosh, I actually have a little cash profit. And you keep allocating and it starts growing. And then you're like, well, if I do 2 or 3%, and you start building that profit muscle. So the lesson here is set up a distinct account exclusively and specifically for profit. Don't use it for any other purpose. It's just to go there and profit's always out to reward you, the business owner, the, the professional, not to be plowed back in the business. We talked about that. So allocate 1%, let that muscle grow and go to 2 or 3% and it'll start awakening you to the power of taking the, the profit first and your business will automatically, with your direction, start adjusting and morphing to what it really should be running off. I totally, I totally agree. And it's been really cool as I've implemented Profit First over the last about a year now, uh, just to nice. see that profit account continue to grow, take those distributions. And it's, I don't know, it's just a really cool feeling to see that like, okay, this is like actually generating consistent profits that I'm able to, to go do stuff with. So yeah, and, it, and yeah, and Apple, you've defined stability, right? So I, I can't speak for your, your feelings, but I presume that as this profit grows, you're like, hey, I feel a little more comfort that when tough times come, like we're experiencing now, I have a method and maybe even a little bit of a cash reserve. That's powerful. You know, it's, it's sad. So many businesses as I'm watching this, and, you know, this started all the way back in the beginning of uh, May, uh, not May, of March. In the beginning of March, when it really kicked off, right? So March, April, now May, that, that businesses right on like a week or two into this didn't have enough stability in the organization, a plan for profit, that they couldn't even make it a week or two without going out of business. That's really a sad state of affairs. The, the businesses that establish a profit habit, even if you haven't had one historically, this is the time to start doing it. Start small, but those are the businesses that can sustain and, and get through a situation like we're in. I totally agree. And there's this restaurant that I actually used to work at that's about a mile away from my house that was in the newspaper here because they, within about a week of, of things hitting the fan, they, they couldn't pay their employees. They, their employees didn't get paid for their last two weeks of work because oh. the owner was out of money and the yeah. owner, she basically, she, she was filing for unemployment. She had nothing to pay these people for and they'd been working for her for the last couple of weeks. They didn't get their tips. They didn't get their salary. Oh they didn't get anything. 
Um, So, I mean, that just shows how many businesses they're just running on razor thin margins that if something slips up, they're done. It was, it was Warren Buffett. I'll probably bastardize what he said, but Warren Buffett, I think said as the tide goes out or when the tide goes out, you see who is swimming naked. And that's what we're experiencing now. And that's why so many businesses uh, have gone out during a booming period or a strong period. You can live week to week or, or check to check. But the second there's one blip, either in a micro basis, like you have one problem with your business or a macro, it, it puts you out. And that's a shame. That's a super shame. Yeah, it, it sucks because you yeah, have a lot of those people there. I still still know them and they're just they're just out of luck. Yeah, yeah so, they're screwed. Yeah. Yeah. Dang. Well, I'm sorry to end on a bummer, Mike, but um, <laughs> I really do. I really do appreciate your time here. Where can the listeners go if they want to follow up with you, learn more about uh, Fix This and Fix This Next or uh, Profit First or any of your other uh, books and, and, and engagements? I, I actually have two spots. So with Fix This Next, I suggest going to fixthisnext.com. And the reason you can go there is there's information on the book and so forth, but there's a free evaluation. You can evaluate your business or your career immediately it's 25 questions and it'll pinpoint here's where you got to concentrate your attention so it's a real good compass and it's free. it's a it's free there's no download or anything you just click it it gives you the answer and you're off to races and then if you want to pursue fix this next so there's details on the book and then for the kind of my domain of books i've written because i've written quite a few now you can go to mikemotorbike.com it's actually mike mccallowitz but no one can spell that my nickname in high school is mike motorbike i've never driven a motorcycle i have no <laughs> desire but you can go to mike motorbike as in the motorcycle.com and you get my books. Uh, I have uh, I used to write for the Wall Street Journal. You can get those articles for free. And uh, I'm a, uh, I have a podcast called Entrepreneurship Elevated. You can access through mikemotorbike.com. Sweet. Mikemotorbike.com, fixthisnext.com are the places to go. <laughs> Third time's the charm. Third time's the charm. All right, Mike, any last closing thoughts you want to leave the listeners with today? Yeah, yeah just uh, Listen, whatever you do, if you, if you own a small business, uh, if, you, if you have a career and you're working with a small business, the, the world just punched us in the face, right? I mean, we've got a bloody nose and a black eye and the world, as it punches us in the face, said, I need you more than ever now. So it's kind of sad and it's kind of ironic, but the reality is the world needs us to step up. So let's step up uh, and start pushing hard. I know it's not going to be easy, but we will get through this. And if you push hard, you will be the leader getting through this. So good luck. Mm, words of wisdom. Thank you so much for your time, Mike. I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. So that is a wrap. Thanks again to Mike for hopping on the show. It was a blast getting to chat with him. And again, MikeMotorbike.com and FixThisNext.com are the places to go to learn more about Mike's systems, get his free tools and all of that good stuff. Now, if you're listening to the show and you're new here or you haven't taken the time to drop a review on iTunes yet, that does mean a ton to me. I know over 200 of you have already done that. I've read every single one of the reviews and they are just, it's super encouraging and also just informational to know what you guys are enjoying and what things that you see room for improvement on. So if you enjoyed this episode or if you didn't, head on over to Apple Podcasts or your podcast listening platform of choice and drop a quick rating and review. It really does help out the show and it shows me what you like and what you don't. Once you're done with that, if you want the show notes for this episode or the resources mentioned, head on over to applecrater.com or applecrater.com slash resources, respectively. Apple Crider, spelled like cider, just throw an R in there. So that's C R I 
D-E-R. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode and I look forward to seeing you in the next one. In the meantime, stay safe and have a wonderful rest of your day.